0: Hello, Simpletons. You're listening to the Minimalist Private Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about calendar clutter, Ryan. Mm. We've got a More About Less segment as well, talking about 24 hours in a day. I want to get to that in a second, but as promised, I want to talk to you about my oldest possession, which um, was a paper towel holder that I bought at Target. <laughs> I think I was
1: 28 or 29 when I bought it. Wait, wait, wait. so the oldest possession you have is only 12 years old. Yes. Okay. It's a minor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I hardly know her. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, it was starting to like break a, like it was becoming sort of disconnected from its bottom. You know, it's just a regular paper. It's a, a it's a countertop paper towel holder. All right. Like a spindle that yes. it goes on top of. Right. Yes. And I had to move it the other day. I picked it up. And as I went to set it on the other side of the kitchen counter, I've got a very tiny kitchen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It just... The whole thing disintegrated. <laughs> it just like, I mean... pile of dust. Like the, Thanos snapped his fingers and like your paper towel would just like...
0: I've <laughs> never seen so much debris. Like I have no idea where it all came from. The whole thing was just like cake debris. The whole thing just imploded. I have no idea what happened. It just... The whole thing was everywhere it was all over my entire kitchen oh. I was finding pieces in the living room in the dining room yeah for many days if not weeks afterward oh man we had to pull the stove out and start taking I mean it was it just disintegrated everywhere. midair and it just went everywhere oh. and so um, yeah I' I feel so sad I've lost my oldest possession <laughs>
1: did did you uh, do you have to get another one I'm trying to think of it what, what's our what's our recipe for upgrading? yeah uh repair for, it for try, to, try to repair it i
0: got out the gorilla glue <laughs> i was stuck to the floor for three days <laughs> uh <sighs> what's up to repair so you can uh well you can choose to not upgrade it so yeah you can go without yes. that's the first
1: thing all oh, right go without yep. yeah i
0: actually tried that for about a week yeah. just set the paper towels on the the counter but it's like was a not leeb yeah (laughs) it was not aesthetically pleasing and so and it was it wasn't very functional either because then you have to like touch it with two hands and right anyway yeah so i um, tried to go without tried to go without i certainly didn't try to repair it (laughs) yeah and then the other one is like downgrade right so like this is often applicable with technology right like oh do i need the iphone 17 Mm. or can i just get by with a flip phone or whatever the phone i have in a drawer and so the question then is well could i downgrade no this was already a piece of junk (laughs) (laughs) it downgraded itself all over my kitchen Wow! (laughs) yeah and so that's crazy um but I had no sentimental attachment to it. I had a lot of frustration. Yeah, I was so frustrated because <laughs> I was in the middle of doing something too, like making a meal, and like it just ruined
1: the whole oh, you know, the whole dude. thing. Yeah, it's like I was telling you about how, uh, like, when we weren't recording, about how I had a huge mason jar glass full of sparkling water and mariah i'm talking the huge ones not like the little, little yeah, like a jam whole leader. leader like a whole leader yeah and Mariah and i are playing a card game um it's called exceed i bet you there's like one person listening to this that knows what this card game let is. us know on patreon yeah, folks. so uh i reach over to like look at something and elbow it and it knocked it off the table Shattered everywhere, water everywhere. Oh. Um, So I feel your frustration. Um, I had the added bonus of maneuvering around shards of glass. <laughs> and let me tell you, man, cleaning up shards of glass when it's mixed with water, you're like, is that is that glass? Ow. No, that that's glass. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually a
0: little terrified because I, when the paper towel holder essentially exploded, mm-hmm. I'm like, what is this made of? Because it was metal on the outside, but whatever was on the inside, the base of this paper towel holder, just completely. And I'm like, this. I know it's
1: not asbestos, but wait, is it asbestos? (laughs) Actually, I planted a bomb in that paper towel holder years ago. (laughs) I was waiting for the perfect time to detonate it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was the perfect time. Well the uh, the water though, I mean at least it was water, right. and not coffee. That's true, Mallory. Yeah, it could have been
2: <laughs> Don't attack me like that. I'm sorry. It could have
1: been yeah, it could have been Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah, Mouse spilled some coffee and Josh will not drop it. Josh, just let it go, man. Well, she dropped it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, let's move on to more about uh, last right. segment that we use as a jump off point to talk about something. Our friend Leo Babauta, I was just talking about him today. I did a radio interview at BYU mm. and someone was asking like, well, I'd see that you walked away from your corporate job, you know, whatever it was 10 mm. years ago, but um, you were only able to do that because you had no kids, right? And I'm like, well... I, I thought that, too, when I first stumbled into minimalism. But then one of the people who really inspired me early on was Leo Babalta. Mm-hmm. He has a great website called Zen Habits. We'll put a link to this article in the show notes. But he and his wife have six kids. Yeah. And yet he was able to do this. And I, I looked at it. And I said, if this guy with a wife and six kids can simplify his life, certainly me, yeah. little old me, who's recently
1: divorced. Can simplify my own life, right? Ma'am. Yeah, it's unfortunate how sometimes people will throw something out there like that. Well, you can only do this because of your circumstance. Mm-hmm. And I have a different circumstance, which is, you know, which prevents me from doing whatever. We tell ourselves be, some really disempowering yeah, ex- stories. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, how disempowering is that? To be like, well, Josh looks like he... uh He's he's living a meaningful life, but I can never live a meaningful life because I've got kids. Yes, <laughs> I'm shorter than six feet, and I therefore I can't be a minimalist. Well, Josh true. is
0: over six feet, and uh, <laughs> and and therefore you know it's right no exactly yeah. it's a it's a weird thing. It's whatever story we tell ourselves that we put up our own roadblocks in many ways. Yeah, in fact, uh, Leo in this article talks about removing some of these daily roadblocks. This is called how to make the most of your 24 hours. I'm not going to read the whole thing if you want to. You can, but later on in the article, he talks about the problem of time scarcity. He says, Most of us feel some kind of stress. I'm not making the most of my time, or there's not enough of it to get everything done. It's slipping away too fast. I'm overwhelmed by it all. The feeling is that there's not enough time. With a feeling of scarcity about time, we stress that we don't get everything done. We feel Like we are always behind. Mm. Here's the thing to realize. There's always a fresh supply of time. We get the same amount of time no matter who we are. And we get a fresh batch of 24 hours every day. No matter how terribly we spend the previous 24 hours. It's a fresh start Mm. over and over. A chance to try something new. Here's the next thing to realize. It doesn't matter how much you get done. Doing more doesn't solve the problem of not enough time. Mm. I think we don't realize that one line, Ryan, is we feel like we're so busy. There's this old truism. If you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. Because busy people are good at getting things done. They're good at being productive, mm-hmm. but are we producing anything of meaning, of value, of consequence? Are we being effective with that time? Yeah. You might be producing a bunch, but it could be a bunch of junk, a bunch of useless nonsense, a bunch of noise. Mm-hmm. If I just come into the room with a, a drum or cymbals start crashing it, I'm producing noise. I'm productive. It's the worst kind of productivity. Mm, sure. I can't believe you're talking about Tom
1: York that way. <laughs> <laughs> you really went downhill after OK Computer. <laughs> yeah, but to your point, though, it's it's uh, yeah, it's yeah, OK to get things done. But I, I yeah, it, that's Leo's So freaking brilliant, man. Yeah, that's so true. Like just getting things done doesn't give you more time. I have a funny story about time. Tell me. I mean, it has nothing to do with this article. Go for it. Uh, we'll get back to the article. So it's my, OK, this so, is the private podcast. That's we can right. be circuitous. So my my mom calls me up on Sunday and she was like, hey, you're three hours behind me, right? I'm like, yeah. <gasps> she was like, so let me just... She's like, this may sound stupid. She's like, but the Super Bowl starts at 6 p.m. my time. It starts at 3 p.m. your time. Am I going to know the Super Bowl resul- results before you? Did you hang up on her <laughs> immediately? <laughs> I said... <laughs> I was like mom time is just a flat circle it's a construct that we all agree on but it was like I had to have a, a like a conversation with her to explain to her how the time zones worked it was um it was interesting Wow. <laughs> and she was having fun with it because I she very soon realized like oh okay like this is stupid but then she was just kind of having fun with it yeah but uh yeah it, it was it was hilarious
0: to be fair his mom's only
1: 15 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So um,
0: no, you know what? Before we standardize time zones here, mm-hmm. which is silly anyway. You know, I think China has one time zone. They're roughly the same width as us, distance as yeah, us. Yeah. But they're just one giant time zone. Oh wow! Because they want to be realize that. unified, right? Mm. And in fact, when you look at the East Coast of America, Indianapolis is. Eastern time, though, even though it's definitively in the Midwest. Yes. I remember once you and I were driving through Indiana and we stopped at a gas station. You asked the gas station (laughs) clerk, what time is it? Yeah. And she said, it depends on where you're standing in this gas station. Over there, it's 11 a.m. Over here, it's 10 a.m. And you realize, like, oh, this is a bunch of nonsense. It's it's a construct.
1: Yes. That helps us keep track of different things. But, yeah. And it helps own. us meet at the same place. Right, yeah. And so we're
0: not waiting for other people. But here's what I'll say is, before we standardize the time zones, I think at one point there was about 650 time zones in America. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Because... Every town would have their own time yeah. based on where this position of the sun was or just by some person they wanted to say, here's the time here. And they, you know, Johnny Jump Up, who was the mayor of Kalamazoo, mm-hmm. got to decide what the time was for that location. <laughs>
1: now that I'm there, it's a different time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take out your watches. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Reset <laughs> it to this time. All right. And so, wow, what a story. Um, (laughs) My mom would totally be cool with me sharing that story, by the way. (laughs) She would, because she was cracking up at herself, rightfully so. I thought we'll just bleep out her name. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's get back to this article here. Leo goes on to talk about four ways to make the most of your 24 hours. He also, before that, he says, here's a fourth thing to realize these hours are precious, they're a gift. Yet we take them for granted and we don't appreciate them to the fullest. It's so true, man. You know, I've gone through several near-death experiences, especially in 2019. Mm. And you, re- you begin to realize just how precious a, a moment with someone is. Yeah, Like how precious these moments are. Amen. This isn't about getting something done. We get to enjoy this right now. You can find incredible meaning in this. You and I have recorded some podcasts that we'll never publish, yeah. but they were enjoyable sessions. Mm-hmm. And so what's nice about what we're doing here is it's not just about the product, what is produced, but it's about these moments that yeah. are also precious. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this right now, this moment, whether it's a year from now, a decade from now, a hundred years from now, Ryan and I are long gone. But you get an opportunity to listen to this. This moment that you're listening is precious. And so thank you because whatever you're doing right now, we talked about this with the priorities on the Minimal episode. This is your priority. Mm. This moment, you can do anything. And you're doing this
1: right now. Yeah, it's kind of like at the end of our uh, live, live podcasts. You always go out of your way to say, hey, you know, Really appreciate the fact that you spent some money to be here and, you know, helps us have separate hotel rooms and gas (laughs) and, you know, airline tickets and all that stuff. Um, But really, uh, you know, you go out of your way to thank them for their most precious resource that they gave to us, which is their time and their attention for that matter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That interview I was doing earlier today, I was talking to her about how you can give someone your time, Mm -hmm. but totally forsake them because you're not giving them your attention. Ooh, yeah. You know, I could go to lunch with Danny. And, uh, and we, we would just be sitting there across the table from each other on our phones. Mm-hmm. I'm giving him my time. I'm giving him no attention. Yeah, right. Yeah. And we do this all the time. We, we take our phone out, we set it on the table. And, and when we do that, what I'm saying to you, Ryan, is you're the most important thing to me unless anyone else interrupts me. <laughs> Except. Yeah. Yeah. Unless Twitter starts to mention me. Right. If I start trending, Ryan, you are not important. <laughs> And uh, we get caught in that because guess what? We're always trending Mm. in some way. Someone is always wanting to interrupt us. They want our time, our attention. In fact, we can begin to feel inadequate. I don't know if you ever experienced this. I did when I left the corporate world. We went from 100 miles an hour down to zero. And I'd wake up in the morning and I would think, oh, no, not everyone wants my attention right now. Because I used to wake up 25 emails and I would be so important. I'd be so significant or so I thought. But here's the truth. I'm significant without those messages. Mm -hmm. I'm me without them. Those things don't make me me. They don't make me a better me. In fact, quite often the way we become better is as soon as we stop trying to be better versions of ourselves. Mm -hmm. The bettering often comes from the subtraction. The subtraction of calendar clutter Mm -hmm. that is... well. It makes us look as though we're important, but it's making us miserable. Back to the article here. Four ways to make the most of 24 hours. Leo says, these work for me. Your mileage may vary widely, but I hope you'll try them out. First, be intentional at the start of the day. With a fresh 24 hours before us, it's easy to just get started in our usual way. For many people, for most of us, I know. Even like friends who I know who are super intentional. Our friend Erwin McManus, I was having a conversation with him. And he was talking about the first thing he does every day is get up and check his phone. And he had to stop that because he realized even he in his advanced age in his 60s, he had programmed himself to find validation through clicking on the glowing screen. Who needs my attention right now? It's so
1: much easier to have your day dictated for you too than like for you to figure out what you actually want to do with your day. So getting up and checking your phone, you're like, okay, who needs me? What do they need? Mm -hmm. Um, What should I be paying attention to? Um, That's, yeah. So you were talking about going 100 miles an hour to a complete stop uh, from the corporate world to leaving it. But in a way, it was kind of the easier thing to do was to get up and let other people tell us what we needed to do with our time.
0: It's much easier to be reactive than it is to be proactive, yeah. Because you're reacting to everyone else's emergency. What mm. is urgent to them, you are now making important to you. But just because something is urgent doesn't mean that it is important. In fact, quite often the things that are urgent are the least important things to us. Yeah, they're urgent because they're urgent to someone else. Someone sends you a urgent email. What's urgent to them? But mm. does that mean that it's urgent to you? Probably not. In fact. Is there such a thing as an urgent email really?
2: No. I you can't don't think email
0: so. an emergency. No. There is not an email address to 911. <laughs> Patent pending.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an great... emergency
0: at 911.gov. <laughs> oh, your... can you imagine the oh, spam my they would get?
1: Oh my goodness, man. It makes me think about how in the corporate world, uh you know, you're looking at your inbox and it just shows you the individual messages with the subject lines. How mm-hmm. many of those have these red exclamation marks on them? Oh yes. Or, everything was an urgent email. And when everything's urgent, nothing is urgent.
0: Amen. Yeah. You could tweet that podcast, Sean. Mm. Well, um, or you could TikTok that Danny unknown, something like that. <laughs> something like that. Let's see what else do we have here? Uh, number two, we talked about being intentional with your, with your day. Oh yeah. Starting with the, with the mornings. Second, don't shoot for doing more do what matters what i like about what he's saying here is it's not about shooting for doing less either Mm -hmm. but if you're doing what matters you're automatically doing less yeah because if you're doing what matters you can't do the other things that make you so busy because when you say you're busy all you're really saying is my life is out of control yeah and if your life is out of control The way to make it more out of control is to become busier, Mm. to let other people dictate through your inbox or through your text messages or through meetings and phone calls and other people's demands. And then, of course, the demands of advertisers and marketers and corporations and landlords and all these other people Mm. who want your time, your money, your energy, your attention. Of course, you're going to feel chaos. Mm. And so what he's saying is you don't want to do more, but you want to do what matters. Mm. And that's highly individual because what matters to you may not matter to me at all. And so it doesn't mean, hey, Josh, you need to do what matters to Ryan. Hey, Josh, you need to do what matters to you. And Ryan, you need to do what matters to you. And if that intersects like this podcast, awesome. Yeah. But sometimes you want to snowboard because that matters to you. Mm. And snowboarding doesn't matter to me at all. And that's (laughs) fine. (laughs) Third, create moments of transcendence. I think that quite often we we don't do this and I'm, I'm going to go into it here in a moment, but you can have true moments of transcendence whenever. What does that mean? So, well, let's just read this here real quick. Mm-hmm. He says, rushing through tasks and chores like we need to get to the next thing only creates an experience of life that blends together in a dull soup. So I am especially prone to this. You quite often, Ryan, are the opposite. So it's fascinating when you look at us. So like, if you look at the Enneagram, for example, you are a seven, which Mm -hmm. your deadly sin is gluttony, Yes, which really just means, like, I want more of this. Whatever this is, Mm -hmm. if it's a a piece of pie, I want a bigger slice of pie. If it's a piece of fun, I want more fun. Whatever the thing is, you want more of it. I want... And what you're actually doing there is you're trying to create moments of transcendence. Of course, you can't create transcendence. That doesn't work either. Mm-hmm. For me, I do the opposite. I just need to get this over with. Get it done. I'm always trying. My default setting is hurry up and get this done. It's probably the reason that I listen to podcasts at 2X. It's <laughs> Netflix, I hear, added that feature to their platform as well. I haven't yeah. watched Netflix in a while, but... All of a sudden, I'm tempted like, oh, I can watch movies now at 1.5 uh, speed Wow! because I can hurry up and get this done. That takes us out of the moment. Yeah. Why would you want to do things that you have to hurry up and get done? And what he's saying is don't not do it, but you can appreciate it while you are actually doing it. Mm. That's actually meeting in the middle of where you and I are. It's not about I need more and more more of this. Mm hmm. I can appreciate this. And it's not about, oh, I need to hurry up and get this over with. No, I. it'll be over when it's over and I can appreciate it until it's over. Yeah, Mm. I think that's where you and I meet in the middle. Finally, Ryan, fourth, reflect with gratitude. At the end of the day, take a few moments to reflect back on your day and think about what you're grateful for. It's such common advice, I know, but combine it with the other things on this list and it's ridiculously powerful. So, The the gratitude piece is a tricky one, yeah. Because you can't do gratitude, yeah. You can notice gratitude,
1: yeah. It's interesting. Um, when we were stuck in Ohio and like, yeah, life was just like pouring it on with this, you know, uh, Mariah and I getting sick and flights canceled and things getting rescheduled and whatever. Like, I could list another five or ten things. I remember every time life would hit me with something. I had to like sit there and be like, it could be worse. Like think about, think about what it could be right now. Also think about what you do have right now. So I started to have to like concentrate on things like, well, at least I have family. It's in Ohio. Mm-hmm. At least I'm, we're not international somewhere. Like I have family that I can stay with who, you know, genu- genuinely wants to help out. Um, we just spend, you know, a couple extra nights in, in the hotel. It's like, okay, at least we have the ability to like pay for these extra nights in the hotel, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, gratitude goes a long way, mm-hmm. and and it's it's uh, just it's it's just giving yourself a different perspective, mm-hmm. and it's it could always be worse, and I think that maybe sometimes that's a little overused. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, it, it it does help with perspective sometimes. It help, helps you see the gratitude. Our friend Sam Harris has a thought
0: experiment. In that thought experiment, he, anytime he's like not feeling that gratitude, feeling down or whatever you might call it, right? Mm-hmm. He, he recognizes how that he would pay an infinite amount of money, a million dollars, that if, he, if it, he and his family got into a car accident right now and they were all paralyzed, mm-hmm. how much money would he pay to get back to exactly where he is right now? Yes. And if you do that, you realize, wait a minute. Mm hmm. I would give anything to be in this terrible situation that I'm in right now. Yeah. And so it's not that it could be worse. It obviously could be worse. Yeah. But you would do anything to get right back to where you are right now with all the pain and misery and discontent and frustration that you have or think you have right now. Mm -hmm. It's probably predicated on a lot of your expectations, but you would do anything to get back to where you are at this moment. Yeah. And as soon as you realize that, that gives you that piece of perspective that you're looking for.
1: Yeah. It, re- it really, I can't even tell you how much it helped me get through that extra week way to spend in Ohio. It was uh, it was all about how I was looking at the situation. And I really could have been in that, like, "Woe was me? I can't believe all this is happening to me. What did I do to deserve this? Um, I was able to shift it to earlier. Where I was like, wow, what did I do to deserve this?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's... Uh... I know I never I didn't freak out when we were stuck there for a few days. It was an inconvenience. And I think that's pretty much anything in my life now Mm -hmm. because I haven't been tethered to an outcome for a long time. Anytime anytime I do pick up an outcome, it makes me miserable. Yeah. Like, oh, I really hope this film gets picked up by Netflix or Mm -hmm. whatever. Oh, I really hope this podcast goes well. Okay. Well, what if it doesn't go well? Yeah. Then what? I'm giving myself permission to be miserable. Right. I don't need that. And so letting go of the the need for an outcome allows you to accept whatever the outcome is. Oh, you know what? You put in a bid for this house and you didn't get this house. So what? What are you gonna do? Make yourself panic over the thing that you never had in the first place? You're you're feeling miserable because you lost something that you never even had. Mm. And that's what we do all the time. If I just won this game, then I would be happy. Mm -hmm. If I just procured this object, then I'd be happy. If I just got this promotion, I'd be happy. If I got this house, if I moved to this city, if I bought this car, if I had this really nice watch, if I got this gym membership, then I would be happy. Whatever the outcome is, Mm -hmm. if we don't get it, now we are making ourselves miserable because we lost something. That we never even had in the first place. Mm. Ryan, I want to talk to you about some calendar clutter. Let's do it. Corporate world. 2006. (laughs) Yes. Me and you working for a, we were middle managers at a regional telecom company. We were living the dream. Oh, yes. (laughs) The nightmare. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It devolved into a nightmare. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I was talking to someone about this recently. It was on our best days, it was like a six out of 10. And I think we tolerated a lot of the nonsense because we were so afraid of losing comfort yeah, and losing the approval of others. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people approved of me. People often ask, like, well, what's it like you know, to deal with some level of notoriety or fame or whatever you call whatever the hell we're doing now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And to me, it's not appreciably different from the corporate world hmm. because... You and I manage a bunch of retail stores, and anytime you walked into one of those retail stores, Ryan, you were famous.
1: That's true. They yeah. all
0: looked up to you. They wanted yeah. to be like Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. And so, in a way, you had that level of fame in the corporate world, and it didn't make you better. Or, In fact, it in some ways, if you're clinging to that, oh, I need people to think of me in a particular light. Mm-hmm. I want them to think positively of me. Mm. I create my own prison. Yeah. And so, man, the... I think because of that, I justified a lot of calendar clutter. So we had meetings, especially Mondays. We had meeting Monday. Yep. I had nine meetings every Monday. Man, yeah. Nine, and they're all one-hour meetings, so it's a ten-hour day. Mm-hmm. I remember we had a marketing meeting, and we had a pre-marketing meeting <laughs> to talk about the meeting that was coming up. <laughs> And at the end of the day, we had sort of like a a recap meeting with bosses and stuff, and it was like a a post meeting meeting. Yeah. And I was just mired in the activity of the meeting. Of course, you had to prepare for the meeting, so you're working on Sunday to prepare for the Monday meetings and getting the spreadsheets and the stats all together. Yeah. And then we had our schedules.
1: We had to. I mean, it was like a it was quite the juggling act, man. Oh, dude, you don't have to tell me. I mean, how many. How many yeah, how many meetings were being requested of us on a daily basis? And there are other names for meetings too. Yeah. Hey, you want to go to lunch
0: together? <laughs> a, what it's a lunch meeting? Yeah. And there's even like supposed great business advice. Never eat lunch alone. What nonsense is that? I always <laughs> eat lunch alone now. Because yeah. I prefer to eat lunch alone. I'm an introvert. I that's where I I get charged. Mm-hmm. Very rarely do I Go to a lunch meeting with someone. In fact, the uh, only person I do attend to is, is is you, and it doesn't feel like a a meeting then, right? <laughs> but so we'll use these other sort of euphemisms: having dinner together, a networking event. That's just a meeting, man. Yeah, and we we know meetings suck, right? Mm-hmm. Just like we know school sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, like for kids, they you didn't like going to school when you were a kid, did you? No, kids don't like going to school, but why do we still do it? In all honesty, why do we do it? Why do we do meetings? It's because it's what we've always done. It's what we're supposed to do. Well, no. A, it's not what we've always done. B, you're not supposed to do anything. Mm. And yet, we're told... You have to be here at this time for this meeting or whatever. And then we feel compelled to even create meetings to justify our existence, to justify our job title, to justify the, quote, work that we're doing. Mm. Anytime we have to bring the whole team together and have a meeting, I remember early on, Jordan even filmed a few of these. At the very beginning of the meeting, I said, hey, we're meeting right now because we have to. I want you to realize we're not doing anything meaningful in this meeting. We're not creating anything that's helping people heal their relationship with stuff, Mm -hmm. but maybe something will come out of this. So let's do this as quickly as possible. And even now... I don't do big group meetings. I have a list of things I want to talk to people about. So here are the three things I want to talk to Jordan about. Podcast, Sean, I need to talk to him about these two things. Mm-hmm. In Alabama, I need to talk to her about these seventeen different things. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like that. And, and Danny, it's always just TikTok videos. <laughs> um, well, there's something about like being productive. Like you know, we, we have to feel like we're we're working towards something. And it's funny how I think about those corporate meetings, and it was this false sense of productivity. Yes. It was this false sense of like, oh, we're moving forward when really um, you're doing the exact opposite. Because <laughs> you're lazy if you're not
0: doing something right. all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, fine. So what? Call <laughs> me lazy. But what if I want to stop and think for an hour because that hour of thinking or half hour of thinking will illuminate some sort of idea or path forward that makes mm-hmm. us far more effective, Yeah. helpful, meaningful or even productive, but in the truest sense of the world, we're producing something meaningful, not just producing useless junk to heap onto the masses. Yeah, A few other things, Ryan, that really stood out to me. We would go to conferences, obviously other obligations like dinners. And then now as a parent, you're constantly expected to do like play dates and activities with kids, and there's nothing wrong with any of these things. There's nothing wrong with dinner. There's nothing wrong with having a meeting. The problem becomes when we are burdened by these things because they become obligatory. Yeah. And as soon as we're obligated to do these things, we don't get to do them. Mm -hmm. We have to do them. We're forced to do them. We now feel as though I have to drudge through this as opposed to getting to show up to do it. You know, our friend T.K. Coleman, who was in Columbus with us, he showed up at that event. I didn't know he was going to be there. (laughs) Um, And then as soon as he did, I'm like, Sean, grab another chair. Let's get him on stage. Uh, We're we're actually trying to get him out to L.A. to spend some more time with us on the podcast, hopefully. But he has this great concept of time billionaires. Yes. Have you heard him talk about this? A little bit, yeah. So when... You are our age. Me, you, and TK, we're all in our 40s now. Except Ryan, he's in his uh, second 30s.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's
0: the sequel. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, Anyway, um, we realize that we don't have the same amount of time left in our lives, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Right? We have the same 24 hours today, Mm -hmm. and hopefully tomorrow, if tomorrow arrives, Mm -hmm. etc., etc., but I don't have the same decades that Danny has mm-hmm. or Malabama has, who are both in their 20s. And so, what you realize is that there are some people who are, especially people who are older than us, that are wealthy, that have a lot of money, mm-hmm. but they don't have much time. Yeah. In fact, that's where I was when I was about 30 years old or 29 or whatever in the corporate world. I, ha- I was making a good paycheck, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in Dayton, Ohio. Mm -hmm. Now, I was broke. That's a separate story Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I was spending all the money and and much more. But I had money, theoretically. I didn't have any time, though. I was time poor. But there was a time before that, around age 18, when I first started the corporate career, I was a time billionaire. I had had no money. I was broke. I didn't have any income. Mm -hmm. I had all the time in the world to try to do different things, right? Yeah. And so... There's a different kind of wealth here mm-hmm. and it's getting back that freedom of your time. Taking back control of your time, that is freedom. Yeah. And being able to do things that you find to be meaningful, whether it's a career, a hobby, or just going to you know a Lakers game, if you find that meaningful, wonderful. Mm-hmm. But you get to do those things if you are a time billionaire. Yeah. If you're a billionaire, billionaire, you may not have a whole lot of time to do anything. In fact, some of the least free people in the world: Jeff Bezos, mm. Warren Buffett. Yeah, Warren doesn't have a whole lot of time. I mean, just left in general, right? <laughs> He's in his eighties. <laughs> <80s. laughs> but and so there isn't a freedom there. When we die, we we lose. Our, I mean, it's maybe the ultimate freedom in one sense, mm. but we don't have the freedom we don't have the autonomy anymore. Right. Yeah. And so we have to give up a lot of our freedom in order to get the things we think we need. We yeah. had Jay Nash on tour with us recently. He, he did a, uh, he opened up at our Boston tour stop, which is, I can't believe like a musician like Jay Nash opens up for us. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and he has a album called the things you think you need. Mm. And it's a line from one of the songs on there. The song is called Sweet Talking Liar. And he's talking about how you forsake your brother to get the things that you think you need. Mm -hmm. And isn't that what we do? We forsake so many important things in our life in order to get a bunch of
1: stuff we don't need, but we think that we need. Yeah, man. I just like think about those mid 20s, late 20s and just kind of look at myself with contempt because I thought that was what I was supposed to be doing with my time was filling up my calendar as much as possible and meetings and customers and yeah, just, you know, working, working, working. And, um, I, you know, now I can look back and be like, Oh wow, what a waste of time that was. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that leads us into some of these surprise questions that Alabama put together for us at the bottom here. Now we got a question from Daryl and Zane. I thought they were linked up pretty well. So let's, uh, let's go through both of those.
2: From Daryl, do you have any tips and tricks for laying out your schedule and calendar to optimize your life? And then from Zane, I use my calendar to keep track of upcoming meetings, birthdays, and everything. But I get anxiety when I see upcoming events that I'm not looking forward to. Is there a way to reframe the way that we look at undesirable but necessary events?
0: Hmm. So that presupposes that anything is necessary, right? So any of any mm. of these things are optional, right? Yeah. There's a uh, Louis C.K. joke about this. So I'm not a comedian. I don't pretend to be, but I'm going to go ahead and butcher his joke anyway. <laughs> Please do. For the private <laughs> podcast only, right? Yeah. And And so since we're here with just the patrons... We can but he he talks about like what well, you can get out of anything once all you have to do is just end your life <laughs> right It's the ultimate excuse, yeah <laughs> and, and uh. at first, I'm like, oh, how you know, obviously he's joking, but how cold was that, but then it's like, but well, wait a minute, all of our lives are actually going to end, yeah, and is this what I want to do before the end of my life?? Mm is this how I want to spend those hours? Well, it's Mm. just one hour. Yeah. We tell ourselves these stories. So I can talk to you about how I sort of, what what did uh, Daryl say? Tips and tricks for laying out your calendar to optimize your life. That
1: that question stresses me out. Yeah. (laughs) Why the hell would I want to optimize my life? Yeah. I mean, that's the problem is we feel like we, we have to constantly optimize. We have to make, you know, the best use of every single second of every single minute. Um, and that's just not, it's not a reasonable expectation. Yes. Like, of course, we're going to like do something and and we might look back and say, oh, that was a great use of, of my time. Or we might look back and be like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But that's life. I mean, it's not about, it's not about just living this perfectly optimized life. It's about, um, it, it's about actually doing the opposite of that and learning from those mistakes. I think, yes, you will, you will learn, you know, sort of
0: looking in the rear view, you'll certainly be able to carry some, some things forward mm-hmm. of, oh, that didn't work for me. This did work for me, et cetera. But when I'm looking at my calendar today, I have very, very few things on the calendar and I do that intentionally. There's sort of three places from which I work. The first one is my today list. I don't have a to-do list. I have a today list. Mm-hmm. And at the bottom of that list, there's a someday list. And so I have a today list. These are the things that I need to complete today. Mm -hmm. These are the things that actually matter, that are important. These are the first thing on there is the priority. Mm -hmm. And then from there, once that is taken care of, the next thing is a priority. Now, quite often what I learn is that the thing I thought was a priority actually isn't a priority because I don't have the time to do everything in a day. And so... I don't schedule it unless I absolutely have to schedule it on my calendar. Mm. And so if I need to schedule it like a podcast that we're recording right now, that is on the calendar. I had a radio interview this morning. That was on the calendar. I have a doctor's appointment this afternoon. That's on my calendar. Mm-hmm. But then there are other things that don't require a specific time. I don't have to be there at 2 p.m. or 6 p.m. or whatever. Those go on my today list. hmm And then if I can't do it today, it goes on a someday list. Mm. Here's the cool thing about the someday list. I don't look at it every day. I don't even necessarily look at it every week. But if I go in there at least once a month, Mm -hmm. I delete about half the things on the someday list. Because the thing that was so important to me today ends up not even being a blip on the radar a month from now, a year from now. So those things that are so precious, so important, so significant to you today... If you zoom out a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, certainly a decade from now, mm. there's a great chance that whatever is so important to you today is not going to be important a decade from now. Yeah. And I think that relieves some of the pressure. Yeah. What's the third thing? Oh, I um, I use my calendar. I use my t- to-do list, my today list. Mm-hmm. And I use my inbox. Mm. And so- yes. I do work from like an inbox zero sort of thing, but quite often what that means is I get in there once a day and just sort of triage certain things, all boomerang things to a different day where I know I have time to work on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use uh, there's a built-in feature now even in Gmail where you can Ooh. schedule. I use an app called it's called Boomerang. You don't have to use that. There's a a built-in feature in Gmail now that you can just schedule an email to come back to you four days from now or a week from now or tomorrow afternoon or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And that way I know I don't really have time for this. I need to boomerang it. Now that can be a trap too. You got to be careful because just like if you schedule something for your future self, Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't really want to do this right now, but, um, what did Zane say? Actually, I use my calendar to keep track of upcoming meetings, birthdays, and everything. But I get anxiety when I see upcoming event that I'm not looking forward to. Yeah. Well, how do you get those on there? Is because you said yes
1: to it a month ago. Ooh, yeah. So for Zane, the best uh, response to his question is start saying no more often. Yes. <laughs> Practice saying no. Now, how do you do that? How do you compassionately
0: say no? Mm-hmm. Here's how you compassionately say no. Instead of saying no, you say yes. Here's what I'm saying yes to, mm-hmm. and because I'm saying yes to I'm playing basketball with my son every night at 6 p.m., I can't say yes to your invitation to be at the gala at 6 p.m., mm-hmm. right? And so you they know what you're saying yes to, and no one's going to be like, oh, you can't play basketball with your son tonight. I need you to... Okay, well, then you start to understand a whole lot about that person. I need you at the gala.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Hey, I'm going to jump in for a second, guys, because this is something that keeps coming up, and I don't know if you're going to hit it or not, but I think it's important, and that's momentum mori. Remember that you will die. Mm. Mm. Um, You see that come up. I know Ryan Holiday talks about it a lot with the Daily Stoic. Yes. Um, You see it come up in Robert Greene's work a lot, too. Mm -hmm. I think I write 48 Laws of Power, but uh, we have done such a poor job in today's society, we have distanced ourselves so far from death, right? Mm. We hide it away. Mm -hmm. Used to be our society lived with death, Mm -hmm. right? We saw people die in front of us. We slaughtered animals in front of us. We saw, and it was a reality, right? You realized, wow, every day you saw my time is not guaranteed. Yeah, It's never guaranteed. And sometimes uh, it takes different things for different people. For me, The changing point was when my dad passed away in 2013. You guys have heard the story. I don't know if the audience has heard the story, but just to recap really quick. He died from complications from Agent Orange. He's exposed during Vietnam and Korea. Mm -hmm. And as I was sitting with him in 2013 and he was passing away in the VA, all he kept going over were the things he wished he would have done. Wow. And all I could think about as I'm talking with him and listening to this is, we're not guaranteed any amount of time. If you want to do something, you need to do it now. Mm. Don't be at the end with the regrets. Yeah. In our
0: society, it, we're actually programmed to say I'm going to wait until I'm 59 and mm. a half or
1: 65 or 68 or whatever it
3: is, That's assuming when, we're going to yeah. get there. That's yes. when
0: I'll
1: do the the things that I really want to do. Mm. Right. Well, you know, another way to look at it too is like when someone asks you to make a commitment, a time commitment, you can ask yourself, like, if I died, you know, mm-hmm. tomorrow, uh-huh. would I regret not doing that thing? Yeah. And that, I mean, that, that'll that help you filter through a lot of the yeses mm-hmm. and nos. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, someone asks you to, I don't know, to a birthday party. Like for me, yes, I would die and be like, oh, I wish I wouldn't go to the birthday party. But Josh <laughs> would die and be like, why did I spend time at that birthday party? I wish I wouldn't have gone to that (laughs) birthday party. yeah. 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 Mm.
0: Yes, indeed. (laughs) Thank you, Podcast John. That was helpful. Yeah, thanks. Alabama, we got another question here from Sarah.
2: How do we determine what routine appointments like medical checkups and car tune-ups are most important and which ones can wait?
0: So There's a difference between something that is important and something that is urgent. Mm. And so quite often a medical checkup, a regular checkup is an important thing. Mm -hmm. Now, if you cut your finger off, that is an emergency. Uh, And so that is urgent and important, right? You have to go deal with this right now. You can't set an appointment for that Mm -hmm. later. That is an emergency, urgency, Mm -hmm. Um, emergency that is also important, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the difference is Many of these urgent tasks are they masquerade as important. Mm. But they are simply urgent. Someone else is telling you, oh, you need to do this right now. I need you to do this right now. Yeah. And so there are a few ways to to look at this. One is if something is showing up in your email inbox or via a text message, it's probably not urgent. Mm. Now, it may be important in the grand scheme of things. Like, Ryan is important to me, mm. but it's not urgent that I'm with him at 3 p.m. today. In fact, yeah. I can't be with him at 3 p.m. today. I have a doctor's appointment at that time. But I need you at the gala. <laughs> 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 and so, I think the biggest thing is I just step back and ask myself that question. Yes. Is this important and is it urgent? Yeah. If it's not urgent, then what? It can wait. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's not important, then I don't have to do it at all.
1: Yeah. I. You know, with Sarah's question, I would posit or I would ask Sarah, like, what are you putting off these things for? So she mentions like, uh, you know, car maintenance. Like the question is, is not whether or not that car maintenance, if you can put it off a day or not, probably you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, health checkups. Probably you can put it off a couple of days. The question is: What are you replacing that with? Are you replacing it with something that is legitimately urgent, or are you just looking for an excuse to procrastinate?
0: Yeah. Kim has a question for us, from Alabama.
2: How do you make time for spontaneity? <laughs>
0: <Isn't> that <laughs> That's ironic? like the perfect JFM question. <laughs> How do I here? be in the moment? How do I schedule spontane- spontaneity? spontaneity? <laughs> The irony is I do this all the time. Mm-hmm. You, so, right, you actually do. You. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, That's funny. And so what we're really talking about here is not about making time for spontaneity, but setting up an environment that allows spontaneity. Yeah. Because I'm so rigid. hmm I'm the opposite of Ryan. I'm very <laughs> rigid and structured, and if anything interrupts that rigidity or that structure, it puts me in a tailspin. Yeah. However... Every other Wednesday, my wife and I, Bex, we will just spend the day together. We'll often put our phone in the drawer mm-hmm. or just leave it on silent. And you set that expectation with everyone else that, hey, I'm not going to be available this day. I'm making room. And we don't have a specific plan. Mm-hmm. And we'll wake up. And Bex's like, what do you want to do today? I'm like, I don't know. You want to go to the beach? yeah, let's go eat something to a squirrel. Or, mm. you know what? I was thinking, let's go up to the valley. There's this park I've been wanting to check out. I heard about this other thing that's going on in uh, in Venice or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, whatever is there, we're making room for the spontaneity. Mm-hmm. Now, if I were to live my life like that every day with my own sort of proclivities It would probably drive me crazy. It'd be chaos. Yeah, Yeah. it would be. But having a day of chaos every two weeks is a beautiful thing for me. Yeah. Because it breaks that cycle of rigidity. But even then, within the rigidity, being willing to step away from the thing and saying, hey, I can't do this right now. I thought I could. I scheduled it in advance, but now I'm not able to. And that willingness to walk away is a form of,
1: of spontaneity as well. Yeah, I love it. That's that's really um, how to reframe Kim's question, is how do you set up the environment for spontaneity? So, Kim, how can you do that? So, yeah, what Josh does is, was that every other Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah, every other Wednesday, you're like, hey, this is the day for me and Bex to just get up and do whatever the heck we want. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just sit around and read all day. Yeah. Or, yeah, maybe go to the beach. But, yeah, scheduling the time to... um it sounds so oxymoronic, setting, scheduling the time to be spontaneous. Yeah. But you're not scheduling the time. You're, yeah, again, you're scheduling the, 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 the environment. Yes. Yeah. You're really just setting up an environment that allows things to unfold
0: however they unfold. Yeah. And without needing a particular outcome. Mm-hmm. Because that's really what spontaneity is. Mm-hmm. It's being untethered to any sort of outcome or rigid system. Yeah. It allows you to free flow wherever you want to go. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, a river, whenever it floods, it just it's spontaneous. It goes anywhere, right? Yeah. And that's kind of what our Wednesdays are like. It, it floods into wherever we decide we're going to go. Mm-hmm. And there is no wrong answer there. We just end up wherever we end up. Sometimes if we leave our phones at home, we'll just drive around and, huh, never been to this neighborhood before. Oh, wow, I didn't even know this was here. And mm-hmm. you start exploring things that... You wouldn't have if you had a very rigid schedule. We have a question here from Lynn.
2: I'm a homebody and my partner is an extrovert who likes to have a jam-packed social calendar. How do I manage the guilt of being the partner that never wants to go out?
1: Oh, the problem is, is you're, she's giving herself a, I should. Yes. And that's, um, that's always going to, probably bring some guilt. Whenever what's you're, her should here? Her should is is I should want to go out more. Yes. I should want to um be more spontaneous. I should want to be more social. And there are no shoulds. Yeah. I mean with any with any good relationship, you're never shoulding on your partner.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> thankfully she's not doing the hey partner, you know, husband, whomever. Yeah. You should want to stay home more. Yeah, she's putting it on herself. Yeah. So yeah. that's a first step. Sure. But then you realize there is no should. And mm-hmm. with Ryan and I, we're exactly like this, right? Mm-hmm. And what that means is that we even Ryan and I were roommates for a while, right? but he never expected me to also go out with him. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't an expectation. Hopefully your partner doesn't have that expectation of you. Hopefully it's just your own expectation. And if you have that own expectation of yours, it's not even about changing the expectation. Mm -hmm. It's about simply letting it go, dropping that expectation. You might've had it in the past. You don't have to carry
1: it into the future. Yeah. I think about, I don't know. I like to do things that Mariah isn't super excited to do like go surfing mm-hmm. or play volleyball. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, she likes going to the beach. So sometimes she'll come with me just so she can hang out at the beach. But more often than not, if I'm going to go surfing, like she's not, she comes with me maybe 20% of the time. And then if, if, if I go play volleyball with Dot uh, doc green, his, his girl, Marley, um, she's, she has come out with me once out of like 10 different times and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And like, and, and that's two things. Like one, I am totally okay to be on my own and to go do things that I want to do. And uh, Mariah is totally okay to support me in doing those things. And that's yes. that's what a good relationship is. It's just it's supporting and encouraging and respecting and understanding each other's preferences. And that
0: support doesn't mean that she has to be there by your side to support you. Quite often, support means making space mm-hmm. for that other person to be their own person. Yeah. You are two individuals. There is not a relationship here. Right. There are two individuals who happen to intersect. And we call that intersection a relationship. Mm-hmm. But if you want to respect the other person, the way that you do that is you make space for them to be their own person. Yeah. And they make space for you to be your own person. That's how you understand each other.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, for for Lynn here, yeah, stop shooting on yourself and really... Yeah, support your partner and going out and doing what they want to do. Like, that's, that's, um, sometimes that's all you can do. And that's okay. I mean, I can think of several times where, yeah, Mariah's like, go have fun. And like, just her supporting me having fun is like, it's totally enough. Um, so stop thinking that you should, you know, go out with your partner and, and more, uh, more just supporting your partner and doing what they want to do. And if you needed
0: her to always be there, not only would you be creating a prison for her, mm. you'd be creating a prison for yourself. Yeah. In order for me to enjoy this activity, this surfing, this play, this volleyball, skateboarding, whatever mm-hmm. it is, I need her to be here. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I don't enjoy it. Right. Well, that is disempowering for you, for her. It's a great way to make everyone in the relationship miserable.
1: Do you ever hung out with someone... Who you know feels obligated to hang out with you? Oh, it's the no worst. <laughs> That's like, yeah, it really is, and it's and it's more about. Um, I can just think of times where, uh, where yeah, like, um, I, like I talked to you into going out somewhere. I'm trying to think. There's a whole scene in, um, everything that remains. Yeah, the about, bar scene about the bar. Yeah. yeah. And, like, you didn't want to be there, man. But, like, you were like, all right, I'm going to do it because Ryan went And I could just tell, but, like, uh, Josh should have just stayed home. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like It made for a great story once. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Other than
0: that, it was, uh, yeah, not not something I enjoy. And so anytime someone is there out of obligation, it's not out of love. Mm. We often mistake it as love. I'm going to do this. I'm going to suffer for this person. Mm -hmm. Well that's not love to love. Someone is to see them for who they are. Mm -hmm. And you can recognize that someone doesn't want to be there. And if you force them to be there, you have an expectation for them to be there. Then you're unloving. We're not even forcing it, but like talking them into it. Yes. It's an unloving act. Yes. Trying to convince someone for sure. You know, let's wrap up with uh, one more question here, either Karina or Megan. What do you think, Ryan?
1: Oh man. Um, I don't know. I'd have to read it. Let's do Megan. I'm just... All right. That's a good guess. Mariah's sister's name. (laughs) Not spelled that way, though.
2: (laughs) Saying no to things you don't want to do is easier than saying no to things you do want to do. How do I navigate all the things I'm interested in without having a calendar that's bursting at the seams?
0: Wow. I don't know that I agree with the premise of this question. Because I think quite often it's just as hard to say no Because you think you want to do the thing. So here's what I mean. If someone at work is asking you to come to some Christmas party and there's a, and you know, you just don't, I hate Christmas parties, but there's an expectation in that corporation to be there. Mm -hmm. It actually makes it harder to say no to that because everyone else is going to be there and societally, culturally, and in terms of your peer group, you feel like you're supposed to be there. And so it's really hard to say no to other people's expectations. It's equally hard to say no to your own expectation because ultimately it is only your expectation. You've picked up their expectation and now it has become your expectation. So the, Hmm. the second part of this question, how do I navigate all the things I'm interested in without having a calendar that's bursting at the seams? It's by... The way that I do it is I don't obligate myself to too many things. Mm -hmm. There are so many things I want to say yes to Mm -hmm. that I'm excited to say yes to. Yeah. Unfortunately, we mistake excitement with passion. Mm -hmm. Now, passion is the result of, well, it's actually the result of a willingness to suffer. Mm -hmm. Pass us is the root of passion, which means to suffer. Mm. So, Whenever we are doing something that is a little bit of drudgery, writing a book is a lot of drudgery, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of passion involved in that. Mm. It's sort of throughout that dip. The other side of that is where the real passion happens. The excitement happens early on. You get really excited about a book idea or you get excited about a party that you're invited to or some event that you want to attend. And so you put it on the calendar three months from now, six months from now, but then A month away, you look at it and you're like, oh, no. And then it's, oh, no, it's this Wednesday. Mm -hmm. I can't believe I said yes to that. So if I can look at my future self, because the thing I don't want to do is I don't want to burden my future self with unnecessary obligations. Mm -hmm. I would much rather say no now when Godzilla is a baby then when Godzilla arrives six months from now and he's taking over. Because it's harder to say no the day of. Oh, yeah. Don't you hate when someone cancels on a
1: podcast with us? Yes. I don't know what it is about Los Angeles, but not just the podcasting, but there's like this thing. where I And I find myself where I'm like, oh, I can't make that today because of whatever reason. But there's something about um, the air in L.A. where everyone's constantly making plans and breaking them the day of. And I'm <laughs> guilty of it. And I try not to, cause like, for the first couple of years, I'm like, I'm not going to be that person. I'm not, not going to be that person. And then sometimes things come up where, like, you just can't help it. But the podcast especially, because, yeah, then we got to scramble at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, hey, I wish you would have said no four months ago. Right. And it's because, instead of an email the morning of or the night before.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just the word. Now, sometimes there are th- some things are unavoidable, right? Yes. Hey, I got COVID today. Right. Okay. Totally get it. Mm-hmm. Nothing we can do about that. Yeah. But the other times, it's just like, hey, I had a conflict. Yeah. What? Hey, I thought this was remote. No you didn't. Yeah. Because we actually send you all the details several times and Mallory and and Sean have it highlighted and bold and yellow and mm-hmm. it's like <laughs> the only thing we could do other than this is like show
1: up at your door and say, "Hey, did you know it's in person?" Dude, the conflict thing is the worst because what they're saying is is something more important has come up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially when it's just a conflict, you're like, oh, they have a better opportunity. Okay. Yeah. Like Which would yeah. be fine. Just
0: say no up front. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're really telling Megan here is you don't want to be that person because it does two things. It stresses out the other people in your life and mm-hmm. you don't want to do that, but it also stresses you out. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have to obligate yourself to something in the future you just simply have to let go of. It's like Picking up a bunch of clutter. What we're talking about here is picking up calendar clutter. Mm -hmm. That's what this whole Maximal episode has been about. Mm -hmm. Calendar clutter. We pick up a lot of clutter just to let it go in the future. Well, the
1: best way to declutter (laughs) is to not pick up the clutter in the first place. Amen. I feel Megan, though, on this because she sounds like she might be a seven and just wants to have the fire hose of fun and the fire hose of experiences. And living in Los Angeles, like, there's just... There, we are living in the fire hose of fun. Like, yeah. we are in the stream. Uh-huh. And it's very hard to, for me, to not say yes to everything. Because there's so many different experience... Unique things that you wouldn't experience anywhere else except Los Angeles. That's right. And, uh, yeah, it's... it is. You got to really, you know, cultivate that Jomo that we talk about, Millie. The joy of missing out. Yes. Because everyone has a little FOMO, especially 7s. But if you can get to that point of like, oh, I'm going to say, even though it sounds really fun, I'm going to say no to it so I can X uh-huh. and really appreciate the, um, the boundaries that you set up. And yes. I know for me as uh, ADHD and um, a 7 or ENFP, whatever it is, like when I set up boundaries and stick to them, it feels so good because it's so hard for me to do that. For me, it's POMO. And I don't mean postmodern. It's the
0: peace of missing out. Mm. Because too often I obligate myself with a whole bunch of calendar entries Mm -hmm. and I have a busy day and then I dread what is coming. Right. But if I don't have a full calendar Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I show up in the morning is just empty and I get to write and I get to exercise and I get to read and I get to go for walks and maybe I go to the beach and do some grounding. Mm. Maybe I even go to the movies by myself. Oh, there's so much peace in there and I'm missing out on everything, Mm. but there's so much peace in missing out. Amen. Patrons, thank you so much for being here today. Make sure you comment below. What do you do to uh, find some peace when you're missing out. How do you say no? How do you compassionately and respectfully say no to someone? Amen. All right, y'all. Love people. Use things. We'll see you next week. See
1: ya. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it